Yeah, it was a burden. So it was isolate, isolated is a great word. Um, because again, then of course you're influenced by other people's social media and other people's, you know, Christmas card and other people's mm -hmm. quote unquote perfect family and marriage and life and children and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I knew that mine was falling apart. And I, you know, was like, oh my, like everyone else is perfect. No one's right. ever been through this. Um, I, I don't know anybody who's been through this. I don't know anybody whose kids were this small. Hi guys, I'm your host, Megan Van Diepender, and this is the Empowerhood Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. You know, motherhood is hard, and we are going to talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. So hi, Victoria. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Megan. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So everyone out there listening in today, we have Victoria Hostig. Am I saying your last name right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Awesome. And she's going to tell us all about her motherhood journey. And we are also going to tackle the subject of being a single mom and getting remarried um, and the challenges that come with, you know, blending a family and also co-parenting. So this is a big topic today. I'm like really excited to, to jump into this and hear your story. So why yeah. don't you start off and tell us a little bit about you? Who is Victoria? Mm -hmm. So my name is Victoria Hostig. Um, my last name up until fairly recently was Baker. So a lot of people know me as Victoria Baker. So sometimes when I introduce myself, I have to be like, oh, my name is Hostig now, um, <laughs> which I'm, I'm happy that it is. But And um, I have three daughters. Almost Eleanor is almost 15. Charlotte just turned 12 and Amelia is three. And we live in North Greenbush. Um, I recently uh, resigned from my job. So I'm for the first time in probably 30 years not working, okay. um, which I thought was going to be, you know, I was like, I'm going to take the summer off. This is going to be fantastic. I'm going to take a few weeks to just figure out what's next. And that could be a whole other podcast, Megan, because um, <laughs> it has proved more challenging than I anticipated. You know, when you're trying to change a behavior that you've had for so many years and something that you're you know, I enjoyed working. So then all of a sudden to not do that, I don't know why I thought it would be like a seamless transition, but yeah. I'm probably like six or seven weeks into not working and just okay. sort of hitting my stride where I'm like, okay, enjoy this time. It's a night, yeah. you know, we'll probably never have it again. So enjoy it. So yeah, yeah currently not working. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm originally from Connecticut. I moved up here um, after, well, for college and then shortly after college. And that's kind of where my family journey started. Um, okay. and, you know, met my first husband and. Yeah. Yeah. That. So I was going to ask you about that. So, I mean, start from the beginning. So, I mean, you were, you were married and that's when mm -hmm. you had your first two daughters. Okay. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that. So you said you said yep. you met your husband so, in college. Yep. We, yep. I met him, um, in college. He was, we weren't in school together, um, he worked in the area, so I met him just, you know, like locally. And um, I was much younger than he was. I was eight years younger. Mm -hmm. So when we got married, I was 23. So I was pretty okay. young. I moved yeah. like from my mother's house into a home with my husband um, yeah. and moved up here. So again, from Connecticut to here. And um, we started our family about three years into our marriage um, and had Eleanor and then a couple, uh, three years later, had Charlotte. Um, 
And I would say that, you know, looking back now at that marriage and that time, you know, we were, we didn't have any money. We were both working really, really hard, but just in jobs that didn't pay well, Mm -hmm. you know, working. I mean, we both had two jobs at one time. Um, So it wasn't for lack of trying. It was just kind of like the industries we were in. We weren't making a lot of money, which was hard. We had no family in the area. You know, my family was about two and a half hours away. His family lives in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. So no family support. Um, So if we did want to go out on a date or even if we wanted to go to the grocery store together alone, we would have to hire a babysitter. It wasn't really in the cards. Um, And the biggest thing I'll say about my marriage and kind of my responsibility for what happened in my marriage, right? Because that's the thing. You can say he did this or she did that, Mm -hmm. but everybody has to own part of our marriage didn't work. It is never, it was him, it was her, you know, mm-hmm. it's everybody. Right. So I didn't realize that right away, but um, it's a partnership, right? It Even when it's coming apart, it's still a partnership. When it's coming apart, when it's thriving, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, you have to have responsibility. So my part in our marriage struggling and ultimately ending was I put a ton of effort into my career mm-hmm. because I knew I wanted to do more and grow and make more money and all of that ton of effort into my career, ton of effort into our family. Mm -hmm. So we spent tons of time together as a family. We did things together as a family. Um, And I would say our family unit was super duper strong. I put zero effort into my marriage. So, and I literally remember thinking, well, we're working all the time. We have young Mm -hmm. kids. We don't have a lot of help. I am going to put my marriage up on this shelf and I will come back to it in four or five or six or seven years Mm -hmm. and dust it off and pick up where we left off. Yeah. And you can't do that. Right. You cannot put something on a shelf for half a decade and expect that when you go back to it, it's not broken. It's not dirty. It's not no longer serving you, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did. And, you know, I think as time went on, you know, several years went on, we just sort of did this and we started to kind of develop our own lives and interests and friend groups. And when we came back to it, it was too late. Okay. It was just too late. Um, how long did it take you to realize that something was wrong? So, I, I think that if you had asked me then, I would have said, I am shocked that there's something wrong. Okay. I thought we were fine. Right. Then when I like stopped and really looked at it, I'm like, oh, it's been a few years. Okay. You know, it's been two or three years where we've kind of been doing this. Okay. I think the other thing for me was, and this is certainly not the case with everybody, but me being so young when we got married, instead of growing up together, yeah. we kind of grew up separately. So, you know, and again, I was eight years behind him. So his career and his path and all those things, they were kind of established for him. Mm -hmm. Mine, I, you know, I didn't have one. Um, So I was kind of figuring all that out. And I think the person I became, the woman I became, not like the young lady was different from the person that he 
initially, you know, kind of fell in love with and wanted to share a life with. Absolutely. Um, Which it should be, right? Though, I mean, you're supposed to continue to grow and evolve, but you're right. You have to do it together. Together. Or if you're not doing it together, you're going to be on two totally separate pages. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so I just think that we, you know, kind of drifted apart and, you know, we did try to, you know, we got into therapy. I said, you know, at the time my younger daughter was 18 months. Oh, so they were really young. Okay. Little, yeah. And then my older daughter was four, around four. Wow. Okay. So, you know, I kind of said, listen, we have babies here. Like mm-hmm. we've got to try to get back on the same page. Um, so we did go to therapy And I would say that I probably realized two weeks into therapy that he was already, he was pretty far ahead of me in the game of, I'm not, I'm not into this anymore. We were not on the same page that way. He was, he was of several chapters ahead of me in the story. Okay. So he was like already moving on basically you're saying. was. And, um, and I probably realized that about two weeks into therapy and it took me another four and a half months before I ultimately said, okay, like I'm done, we're done. Um, and that period, that four and a half month period was probably the hardest because Mm -hmm. Um, we were really struggling and I was not telling anyone. Mm-hmm. And I have to give a little nod to Katie, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. because she said something similar about her husband. She said, I didn't want to tell anybody what was really going on yeah. because if we worked it out, he would always be the bad guy. Everybody yeah. would always hate him and my family would hate him and whatever. And I heard her say that and I was like, wow, that is that part of her story is exactly the same time because I didn't want anyone to think that he wasn't the best husband or the best father or the best fill in the blank. Um, Because there was a part of me that was hoping that this would just be, you know, a chapter in our story and that we would move on from it and be married for 50 years and laugh about that time that we had that hard, you know, time. Um, and so I didn't tell anybody, not a friend, not a coworker, not a family member. Wow. And I, I say it's like in a movie when there's someone like standing in the middle of Times Square and they're still and everything around them is moving around and it's blurry and it's fast and it keeps going. Yeah. The world was moving around me, but I was stuck standing still. Yeah. Um, you must've felt so like isolated and, um, I mean, did it feel like there was like a burden like on you that you weren't able to yeah. tell? Yeah. yeah. It was a burden. So it was isolate. Isolated is a great word. Um, because again, then of course you're influenced by other people's social media and of other course. people's, you know, Christmas card and other people's mm-hmm. quote unquote perfect family and marriage and life and children and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I knew that mine was falling apart and I, you know, was like, oh my, like everyone else is perfect. No one's ever been through this. Um, I, I don't know anybody who's been through this. I don't know anybody whose kids Mm -hmm. were this small, you know, whatever you make all the, right. Of course. And I mean, 
But you if you think about it, we're all comparing our, ourselves to people that are most likely doing a lot of the same things that you were doing, you know, hiding yes. from it. I mean, yes. that was one of the whole points of me starting this podcast yes. was just like, put this stuff out there, these topics that don't get talked about because we feel shame in them, you know, yep. but it's like, we all go through challenges. I mean, it might yep. not all be divorce or, right. um, you know, being a single mom, but we all go through bumps and challenges and it just it has to be normalized because we can't we can't take on this burden like it's no. it's it took over your life right it I mean over my life yeah I mean uh, it men uh, mentally physically you know I know we've talked about that before I got very very thin I mm -hmm. wasn't eating I wasn't sleeping yeah. you know I was an avid runner I mean I would run 10 miles seven days a week mm -hmm. I couldn't run for two minutes um, because physically I wasn't able to yeah. mentally, it just like, I was like, if I can't be a wife, maybe I'm not a runner. Maybe I'm not a good employee. You know, like right. it, it totally took me down. Um, yeah. and I will say too, you know, it's awesome that you're doing this because during that time, once it kind of came out that I was getting a divorce, I mean, I would talk to anybody who would listen about it. And I think it was like one of the things that really, saved me. And I think it was one of the things that, you know, I was so scared that my new, and we'll get into this, like being a single mom or whatever, yeah. I thought it would hurt my professional life. I thought it would hurt my personal life. Um, but I didn't know any other way other than to talk about it and be honest. So when someone said to me like, Hey, how are you? I would look at them and I would say, I am not good. I am not good. And I need you to be okay with me saying that I'm not good. Right. Right. Because good for you. Good for you. What are you supposed to say when someone, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. I wasn't. Right. I wasn't okay. You know? Right. And um, and I think it was something that helped me. Yeah. I think it changed the game for me professionally and personally because people knew then to trust me. Yeah. And believe me because what I was saying was real. Right. I think that's such a, it's, it's such a weird thing in our society because I think we have so much respect for people being real, but then we have such a hard time being real. Does that make it like it's such yes. a weird, weird dynamic? Um, but I'm, yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for someone like actually saying how they feel instead of just like shouldering it and being like, mm -hmm. um, I'm okay, but you know, I'm just going to go on with my day instead right. of being like, no, this is a really hard day for me. Yes. Um, and I need support. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard though, right? Like I feel like maybe it's because we weren't brought up that way to speak out about our emotions. Um, I feel like now there's like a lot more talk about like emotions with children and whatnot. Yes. And I have actually Leah's coming on the pod after you and um, you know, Leah Ferrone and she, yeah. you know, is all about finding mi mindfulness and yes. teaching mindfulness to our children. And I, I think it really is so important because, you know, I just wasn't brought up that way. So like I have a really yes. hard time voicing when I am having a hard time. <laughs> Right. Because you do yeah. feel like, is something wrong with me? Like, right. I'm not as good as those other moms out there that always look so put together, are never mm -hmm. stressed out, or yep. like, I don't have enough money or things, or, you know, right. it's just like, yeah. you just go Whatever. into like a downward spiral yes. with it. Um, so I could see how that would be just so, so hard. Yeah. So how did... Um, so what did you do to handle all this going on? Like, did you start getting help? Yes. Okay. So I was in therapy. I was a huge, and I had never done therapy before. So again, same thing. It's not like I grew up going to therapy or my mom went to therapy or mm -hmm. it was not part of my, uh, you know, 
childhood or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know anybody who was in therapy, or I guess I didn't think I knew anybody who was in therapy, right? That's the other thing. Maybe yeah. we do know people. Another thing that. that's not talked about. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I was in therapy and some some weeks I had to be there twice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some months I was there every other week or whatever. But I was pretty consistent about going to therapy. Even if I felt like, oh, I don't have anything to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was consistent in going. Um, and there was a time when, I mean, I just remember I'd be out at an event or a party or whatever. And I would say, well, the man in my life, my therapist, said to me, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Because this was literally like the person in my life who was like my go-to. Um, And then, of course, I had a really great network of friends around Mm -hmm. here. Again, I don't have family around here. So my friends really became my local family to help me with everyday stuff, right? I have a a wonderful uh, blood-related family, but they're not here. So they were supporting me from afar the best they could. But if I needed to go somewhere and needed help with my kids, I would rely on that. I have a friend, I could cry thinking about it still, all these years later, um, she called me very shortly after my husband and I split up and she said, I'm at Bed Bath & Beyond on Wolf Road, come meet me here. And and my kids were with their dad that day and I was like, I can't even get out of bed. Like I'm, I am not in a good place today. And she was like, okay, get your shoes on and come meet me at Bed Bath & Beyond. And I was like, Okay. So I get to Bed Bath and Beyond and she said, "We are going to pick out brand new bedding for you, my treat." And it was like, oh, it could be it would right. it will make you cry. It was such a small thing that I couldn't do for myself financially. I wasn't able to do that for myself. I wasn't even thinking in that space, but she said, "Your bed needs to be a place that you want to be when you get in it at night." Eventually, you want it to be a place somebody else wants to be with you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And she said, you can't get into that bed every night and think about your old relationship. Right. So she got me new bedding. I had another friend come over and do like a sage cleansing of my bedroom and my house. Yeah. And I would say those two things, I think I slept through the night for the first time in weeks. Right. Um, Small small things that made a huge impact. Right. Um, And those are the things I try to remember now. If I know someone going through something similar, you know, um, I remember like my first Mother's Day as a single mom. I, I remember saying to my friend, when you have little kids, your Mother's Day is put on for you by your husband. Right. Right. Your two year old is not celebrating Mother's Day for you. It's your husband that does that. And I said, So, what kind of a Mother's Day am I going to have without a husband? And so I like talked about it with a friend. And she said, Then take your kids out and do something that just like fills your cup. And we went to Hoffman's Playland that year. (laughs) And um, I didn't know this. I don't even know if it's still a thing, but on Mother's Day at Hoffman's Playland, Moms get in for free and they give you free tickets and they give oh, you no free way. ice cream and whatever. So um, we went to Hoffman's Playland and the girls like absolutely loved it. And then we went and got manicures. So 
Um, and I have pictures from that day and I just, it like, it was just those like little things yeah. kind of changing the, the storyline, changing, mm-hmm. you know, um, what it was that made me feel good and made me feel proud and whatever. And I was really, really worried. I know we talked about this about that label of single mom. Mm-hmm. I just saw it as such a negative thing. All, all I saw related to single mom was like negative, like poverty, nobody wants you, baggage, mm-hmm. nobody's going to hire you because you, you know, what if something happens to your kids, right. you're a bad employee because you don't have backup and all this stuff. And over the course of the 10 years that I was a single mom, it changed from like my, like the, the thing that I thought was like the worst about me to the thing that I would like lead with. Okay. So like if someone was like, oh, tell me about yourself, I'd be like, I'm a single mom. Like I loved it. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's a strength, you know? I mean, it's it well, it's, it's definitely like a mentality, right? You have to think of it in the correct way. Yes. But I mean, it's def- – if I hear someone is a single mom, I'm like, wow, you're a badass. Like yeah. that's amazing. Yes, you are. Um, because and I mean, I parenting is so hard, you know, even so with two parents. Um, so, so yeah. So and and people say like huge. – and I'll have – I'll even have girlfriends say, and you know, at the time, and you know, like I would have a girlfriend say, like, well, my husband, you know, works nights, so I'm a single mom. Mm-hmm. I'm like a single mom. And I'm like, okay, but like if your daughter needs like a medical treatment, will your husband like go with you to that? And she'd be like, Yeah. And I'm like, so you you might not be like a single mom. <laughs> or like if you're, you know, if your kid needs isn't doing well in school and and they're saying, oh, she might have a learning disability. Do you, will your husband talk about that with you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well then maybe you're not a single mom. You know, like yeah. I yeah. get that like you're doing things maybe on your own a lot, but being mm-hmm. a single mom means you are like owning those decisions mm-hmm. for your children, all of them. Yeah. You know, so I try to like remind people of that to not use those terms. Like I'm a single, my husband works all the time. I'm a single mom. Yeah. Okay. But at Disney, were you together? <laughs> then you're not a single mom. Very you know? good point. Yeah. Very good point. And it's also like when you have that partner, you know, that you can discuss those things. And even if they are traveling for work or wherever, I feel like that's the difference, right? The communication. Yeah. Would you say that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, you're still in touch with your ex-husband though. Yep, He's still absolutely. in their lives. We have okay. um, pretty much 50-50 custody. Okay. We both live locally Mm -hmm. um, and we've had the same schedule. We actually had a conversation a few weeks ago about our custody schedule because it has been the same since we split up, which was 10 years ago at this point. It's been 10 years. Um, And we talked about it like a few weeks ago. I was like, do we want to like revisit this schedule? Because it's been the same for 10 years. It works for us. It works for the girls. It Mm. works for, you know, the two of us, but we just like haven't talked about it. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I mean, I'm good if you're good. I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> good. So our schedule, I'll tell you in case anyone's looking to figure one out. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, they're with me. Wednesday, Thursday, they're with him. Friday, Saturday, we rotate. Okay. Okay. And then holidays are different. Like they kind of split up and we kind of, okay. you know, it's like uh, even year, odd year, that kind of thing. That's great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I'm yeah. sure a lot of parents are trying to figure yeah. that out. And, and that works for us. And, you know, of course it's, it's not perfect, right? If someone has a work thing or whatever, mm-hmm. we will communicate that and say, I can't keep them on Tuesday. Yeah. Can you, and I'll take them Wednesday or whatever. We also have built in like that first right of refusal, right? So if they're supposed to be with me on Tuesday and I can't t- keep them for some reason, mm-hmm. I have to ask him first before I hire a babysitter or. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So he can say, you know, I'm, I'm busy too. I'm fine with you to get a sitter or whatever. And they're much older now, but don't forget when we started this, they were little, a 20 month old and a four year old. Right. Right. That's good. I like that. That's in place. So it's been 10 years. When did you meet your new husband? So I actually met my new husband um, several years before we started dating. I met him just through another friend um, at a golf tournament. We were both invited to play in this golf tournament. And um, we became friends. The three of us, these, uh, this other gentleman, my husband and myself, just would meet like once a month for breakfast or lunch to kind of like network and, you know, hang out, whatever. And um, so we were friends for quite a while. And then um, he was married as well. He was married before. And he was going through a divorce at the time. Oh, wow. Um, and I had been dating someone else. And that relationship was ending. So we were, you know, dating and, and breaking up. And the three of us were at lunch, me, my husband, and this other friend whose name was Pete. And, um, you know, Dave and I, that's my husband, were like, oh, I'm breaking up. You're breaking up. You know. <laughs> And Pete said, um, he's like, you know, I feel like you guys should just like date. And I had never, and this is the truth. I had never (laughs) even thought about Dave in that context. I had always just seen him as a friend. And Pete said that, and it was like a rom-com. It was like, I got hit with a ton of bricks and I was like, Oh my god, I'm in love with him. Like literally, <laughs> like I kid you not. It was oh my that, god, I like, love it. It went from you know 30 seconds prior to that, I was eating off his plate. My hair was in like a greasy ponytail because I was like, oh, I'm just going out with Pete and Dave today. I don't need to like look cute. And then Pete said that, and I was like, oh my god, I feel so uncomfortable <laughs> all of a sudden because I'm like in love with him. I love him. Oh my god, that's great. And so we, I was kind of like, oh, whatever. So then like a week later, Pete called me and we were chit-chatting about something else. I remember where I was driving on 787, like literally at the time of the phone call. And he's like, you know, we're talking about something else. And then he goes, so what do you think about what I said about Dave? And I said, well, I said, don't tell him that I even said this, but I can't stop thinking about it. And he was like, "Ugh, I knew you were going to say that. And I was like, but listen, I'm not going to say anything. Like, he's a good friend. I don't want to mess that up. Just let's just like drop it. And he was like, all right, fine. So he hung up the phone, called Dave and said, I just talked to Victoria and she's in love with you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And then so then it just kind of like, you know, Dave called me like a few days later and he was like, oh, we should like get a drink, which was different. We had never done that before. Like just the two of us, Mm -hmm. we had always hung out the three of us. So I was like, 
okay, maybe like, and then we ended up in meeting for a drink and then he like went to like hug me goodbye. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I just was like <laughs> nervous. And, um, and then we met like a week later for another drink and then a week later for another drink. And the third time we met, he went to like, go kiss me. And I was like, hold on, wait. And he's, and he was like, what? And I said, if you kiss me, then we're going to kiss again. And then <laughs> we're going to hang out again. And then other stuff's going to happen. And I said, I don't want to just like date you for a little while and like then break up. And then we're, then we're losing like yeah. this awesome friendship that we've had for, you know, three years at that point. And he goes, yeah, but we're not going to break up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Done deal. Done. Did you it. ever think that you would meet someone and fall in love again, like after your divorce? Like, how did you feel about that? So when I first, when my husband and I first split up, I was like, I'm never going to date again. Like I have two babies. I work mm. all the time. Like who is going to want to date me? Like on yeah. paper, I'm like, I was going to say, I was going to ask you if that was yeah. one of your thoughts. Cause I feel like that's one of the biggest things that I hear about when, you know, moms become a single mom, you know, with little kids, especially yeah. like, how am I supposed to date? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just, I mean, I, yeah. On paper, I was like, I'm the worst. I wouldn't date me if I was like <laughs> a single guy, you know, and I was fairly young at the time I was 32. So I also thought anyone around my age is probably going to like maybe not have even been married yet, mm. not have children. Like, are mm. they really going to want to like take this on, this like burden on? Mm. Um, and I just had awesome friends who were like, why do you look at all of those things as bad things? Mm -hmm. You have wonderful, sweet, beautiful, kind children. Mm -hmm. You have an awesome job that you're committed to. You're a great friend. Those are not your, those are not in your cons list. Right. Those are your pros. Right. You have to like flip the switch on what you have to bring to the table. Yeah. Anyone would be lucky to be with you. Right. That was not a narrative I was telling myself. Yeah. That was a narrative that other people had to tell me. And yeah. I think it was because I was so beaten down. Yeah. You know, I felt like garbage. Yeah. So I certainly wasn't walking around like, hey, I'm amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that takes time though, right? Like, wouldn't you say, like, you're not just going to automatically feel like that about yourself. But no. I think like, like you said about the narrative, I mean, it's really important what we tell ourselves. Right. Yeah. Because that's ultimately yeah. what you're going to become. So if you keep yeah. telling yourself that I'm not good enough and like my kids are baggage, then that's what you're going to be. Yeah. But if you kind of switch that around and are more like, you know, I have so much to offer and my kids are amazing. They get these two beautiful children, yeah. you know, without even having to go through really parenthood for right. so You'd many years. Lucky. Right. You'd be right. Lucky. You're lucky You'd be in their lucky. lives. I mean, how I did Dave to... feel about it? Um, Dave? Oh, yeah. He, loves it. he, he, stepped right into that role and and so just to be clear too he didn't have other children okay so my girls were his only children until we had amelia okay <clears throat> so um so i was kind of like uh how are you like how do you feel about this mm. like it's you know it's a lot um and he was like i think it's great and he just totally embraced it and enjoyed it and um you know, it was good. Like he was never 
like a pushover with them either, right? Because mm -hmm. kids push limits and whatever. He was, I don't want to say he was strict because that sounds like mean, but he was yeah. like, these are like the rules or this yeah. is like the expectation that we have of you. And so that's it. You know, we're both, we're on the same page, mom and I, like I'm here to support mom. We're here to support you. So, um, so it, it just kind of will like, it happened very fast. It was very like sort of seamless. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even, I can't even remember a time where it was like awkward or they were like, you know, no way we're not on board with this. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they loved him and, um, and he's, you know, he's a great, he's a great person. He's a wonderful, loving, caring person. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had met him a couple of times prior to him being like my boyfriend, um, just from like him being my friend. Okay. So they knew him, but like not in any like deep, you know, they weren't like deep, you know, they were like, oh yeah, hey, you know. Yeah. Um, and so we did that kind of slowly. Like I had him start coming around a little bit more before I like officially said like we're dating. And my older daughter, I'm trying to think how old she was at the time. She must have been like nine. Um, well, we've been together five. Yeah, she was like nine or ten. Okay. He came over one day and we were hanging out in the backyard. And um, when he left, she said, do you guys like each other? And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, do you like, do you like each other? And I was like, yeah, of course we do. We're friends. And she goes, no, no, no. I mean, like, as like a boyfriend. And I said, <laughs> why do you ask that? And she goes, well, you were flirting the whole time. He was here. <laughs> she caught you. Yeah, I was like, so. So, um, <laughs> so when you. So when you started calling him your boyfriend and announced it to your children, like how was this transition for for them, you know, and for your ex-husband? Like how did that go, you know, co-parenting wise? Yeah. So I will say that my ex-husband and I are very respectful of each other. If we were ever going to introduce someone to our kids, we we talked about it with each other first and just and didn't really say can I, or like, I'm asking mm. for permission, but just saying I'm going to, and this is who this person is Okay. and you can meet them and you can Google them and you can, you know, like that is your right. They are going to be around your child. Mm. You have every right to know about them and know who they are and where they work and all those types of things. But again, not saying, can I, Okay. Because I do, I have heard people say like, oh, well, you know, part of our agreement is before, um, before my ex-husband introduces anyone, I have to approve. I, I don't know that that's really like the place because guess what? I'm probably never going to approve of anyone that my ex-husband like wants to share his life with. That is my ex-husband, right. you know, but my concern is how are you treating my children? Right. That is what I need to know. Right. And, you know, people will say to me, oh, do you like your ex-husband's new wife? And I'm like, do I like her? I'm not, I don't hang out with her. Right. She's nice to my kids. Right. That's what matters to me. Right. She's good to my children. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately all yeah. that should matter. Yeah. That's I think that's, I that's really great because, I mean, most importantly, the children still have to be able to go between houses, right? Yeah. And want to to feel safe. Yes, um, I want to know that they're safe. Right. 
and and well taken care of and kindness is important too, which sometimes you probably don't get all of those things. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's really important. When my ex-husband and I like first split up, people would be like, oh, I saw your ex-husband at such and such a bar and this is who he was with and blah, blah, blah. And I had to say to people eventually, unless you see my ex-husband doing something that's hurting my children, I don't need to know about what he's doing. Yeah. I don't need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. So let it go. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Let it go. Control what you can control type of thing. Yeah. Um, So now you said you have a third child, right? With Dave. Okay. So like, how did that whole thing go? So now you have a a blended family. We do. We have a little blended family. Okay. and it's been really fun. So um, I'll tell the quick story about when when we told the girls that I was expecting the baby. So we were in the Bahamas on vacation. We were going to the Bahamas on vacation. And I was uh, pregnant with Amelia about three months, three and a half months. So not, you couldn't really tell I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were going to the Bahamas and I said, let's tell the girls while we're in the Bahamas. And so we came up with this great idea. I went on to Etsy and I got them bracelets that said big sister for Eleanor and middle sister for Charlotte. And we were going to give them the bracelets and say, you know, we're having a baby or whatever. So Dave and I weren't engaged or married at the time. Um, We were just still dating. We were planning on getting engaged and married, but then I got pregnant and I'm like, okay, let's put that on the back burner. Let's have the baby, you know, whatever. So, um, so we get to the Bahamas on like a Sunday, we go out to dinner, um, and we're sitting on an ice cream bench in the Bahamas in front of Ben and Jerry's. And Dave asks a woman to take our photo, family photo. And the woman takes the photo and he proposes to me. Oh my God. And it's actually a video because he said to her, I'm actually going to propose. It's on video. Oh, like, that's amazing. So we have that video, which is great. So that was very exciting or whatever. So, um, but now I'm like, oh my God, we just got engaged. And now we have to tell them that I'm going to have a baby. Like their heads are going to explode. <laughs> we had asked them prior to proposing to me. Okay. So they knew. Mom, okay. Can I marry mom? Like whatever. So yeah. they knew. Oh, that's really um, So then a few days, I'm like, okay, well now we have to wait a few days. So we did like most of our vacation and then um, we give them the bracelet. I said, oh, I have a present for you. So open, uh, Eleanor opens hers and it says big sister. And she looks at it and she looks at Charlotte and she goes, open your bracelet. Does it say big sister on it? <laughs> so Charlotte opens hers and it says middle sister. And I knew exactly how they were going to react. Eleanor freaked out, freaked out. No, no, I don't want a sibling. I don't want. Oh no way, really? And Charlotte's looking at Eleanor to figure out how she's supposed to respond because she's the little sister, right? Right. And Eleanor runs into the bathroom in the hotel room, which is two feet from us. Charlotte runs after her, and Eleanor's going, "I don't want it. I don't want it." And Charlotte says, "Charlotte." Or she says, Eleanor, we have to be grateful for this. It's going to be great. And we have to be thankful. And Dave and I are laughing so hard. And I said, oh, my God, I know I need to go in there and parent right now, but I can't stop laughing. (laughs) So they come back out. And I said, Eleanor, what are you thinking? This is going to be awesome. And she was like, you know what? 
it is going to be awesome. <laughs> and that was it. And then she told every single person in the Bahamas that I was expecting a baby. Oh, my God. And then COVID happens because yeah. this was right right before COVID. Um, and so we had Amelia right smack in the middle of COVID. She was born in May of 2020. Wow. Um, and as soon as she was born, I called the school. You know, we were all virtual learning at the time. I called the school and I said, you know what? It was the end of May. So they only had like three weeks left of school. I said, we have a new family member. We are done with school. We are <laughs> hunkering down as a family and just hanging out. Yeah. And it was awesome. We oh, had like amazing. the best summer all together. You know, I was on maternity leave. My husband's business wasn't as busy because it was COVID. COVID. Right. The girls weren't in school. There was no camp, you know, whatever. Yeah. It was awesome. It was such an awesome way to kind of start our, you know, new version of our family. Yeah. And um, I know I mentioned this to you before, but like we don't say, we don't have like, this is my half sister. Right. Like we just have... Right three girls, three sisters, you know, that. they call, uh, my girls call Dave, their stad, like their stepdad. Okay. Or they call him Dave, obviously, which is funny because now Amelia will say, Dave, I need to <laughs> go. I want tacos for dinner or whatever. I'll, look, I'll say, daddy, it's daddy. <laughs> That's um, so funny. And the other funny thing, which I never would have anticipated is, um, you know, Amelia, the little one, loves Eleanor and Charlotte's dad because we're always all at the soccer field or the softball field or the track meet or whatever, you know, we're all there supporting the kids. So, um, you know, I'll say, oh, Eleanor has soccer. And she'll say, well, is her dad going to be there? And I'm like, yep. And she's like, all right, I'm going to sit with him. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I that mean, that's so great, little, though. It's so it's like so a funny. really complete blended family. It is. I love it that. Is. That's and amazing. I, I mean, if you asked me two weeks after my divorce, oh, will this stuff happen for you? I would say no. Yeah. None of that yeah. will ever happen for us, ever, ever, yeah. ever. Because I don't want to. I don't want to give the impression that like we split up and like everything was great. Right. It was really, really hard. It was yeah. really, really sad. Um, and that's why I'll reiterate, like, I needed therapy. I needed support. I mean, that's what I was going to say next. I mean, what would you advise women that are even, you know, thinking about a divorce, you know, are already single parents? Um, you know, what would you advise them to start with? Like, where's the best place to start? So one thing that I really thought about at the time when I was kind of in that standstill mode and I'm, and it was clear to me, like my marriage is over, Mm -hmm. um, was, I had a, a colleague say to me, if you want to get a divorce, you have to know that initially it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse than it is right now. But there is an end to that worse. There is no end to staying right. in an unhappy marriage. It's just going to stay unhappy. Mm. So she said, it's not easy. Like what you're about to walk into, that storm that you're about to walk into is a pretty messy, dangerous, scary storm. But if you keep walking, there's sunshine on the other end. And it was like a really big visual for me. I'm like a visual learner. Um, and, And during those days when it was just so hard, I used to just picture myself walking through a storm. Yeah. And then I started changing the picture where I would be walking through 
and I would turn around and see a lot of storm behind me. So okay. I was like, you know what? It, it's still stormy. Yeah. But there's storm behind me now. So okay. I've gotten through some of it. Okay. And then I started seeing a little tiny, like even like there's a little sunshine and then it goes yeah. away. Okay. And then it's there for like a couple of days and then it goes away. So and it's like complete like baby steps, yes. baby steps through it. Yeah. Through the because it is a process, right? It's like I think that's important process. to put out there. It's a huge process emotionally, yeah. physically, and then of course for your children. When you have children, yeah. you have to help them through it as well. Yes. Um, yes. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I did want to mention too, with the girls, I thought it would be, you know, we'll have this conversation with them. We'll tell them we're getting a divorce or whatever. We still love them. I got them books. I did a lot of books and reading. Yeah. You know, I have two houses, like whatever the book right, was for, right. for their ages at the yeah. time. Um, <clears throat> and I did a lot of that work with them or whatever. But I kind of thought, well, I'll talk to them about it. And then they'll know, and that conversation will be over. I'm still having that conversation with them okay. because every year and every month or whatever that they change emotionally mm -hmm. and socially, they are, you know, uh, learning it over again. Right. Because a four-year-old processes right. differently than a 15-year-old. Yeah. You know, now yeah. as my daughter approaches 15, I'm talking to her about, What's important to you in a relationship? You know, thinking about your right. own relationships. What do you need from a partner? You know, yeah. all those conversations. I certainly wasn't talking to her about that when she was four. Right. You know? So yeah. it does, it's not a one and done. It's yeah. constant. It's constant. And that threw me for a loop initially because I'd be like, we already talked about this. Like, why does she right. keep bringing it up? But mm -hmm. they were going, yeah. they were learning it over and over again in different places right. in their right. lives. I mean, I think that's so great, though, like that that opened up that communication door for you guys to really, really talk. I mean, we all know communication is so important with our children, but I mean, especially girls in general, and you have three of them. But just to be able to to open up that communication door and you guys get to continue to have these conversations that, um, you know, will just help all of the family, you know, yeah. even your ex-husband and his new wife or whoever, you know, just to yeah. really keep that that channel open. Yeah. And help shape, you know who they are. She, Eleanor said to me not too long ago, she said, well, I, I just assume that I'll get a divorce. And I said, well, why would you assume that? And okay. she said, well, because my parents are divorced. Yeah. And I said, see, I think you're, I think you're in a good spot because you grew up in a home mm -hmm. where your parents were married. They, they realized that the relationship and the marriage that they were in was no longer serving them. Mm -hmm. And then they made decisions for their new relationships that they said, this is what I did that I shouldn't right. have done. This is what I did that worked. This is how I worked on myself. This is what's important to me. This is what's important to me and a partner and made all those things and built new lives and relationships. I said, yeah. you have more information to yeah. make those decisions, those yeah. good, healthy decisions. Right. I mean, because we all know we learn from our mistakes. Yeah. I mean, as, as a 15-year-old, she probably doesn't necessarily completely understand that yet. But yeah, I mean, she's definitely got an edge because like you said, she's learning from your mistakes. Yeah. Not mistakes, yeah. but you know, just things that didn't go right, right? Yeah. We learn from those lessons and you, like you said, you change them for your next partner to yeah. exactly what you want in a partner. And I yes. think that's, that's huge. And you're right. She does. 
she has a lot more that she already has under her belt that she's learned. Yeah. Um, for a 15-year-old too. For a 15-year-old. Right, right. <laughs> but I think it's important to say too to people going through this right now is that you've talked to her about this, yes. right? Because if you don't talk about it, then maybe she will think that's normal, right? To just go have a pick a partner, get divorced, and then try again. Which one. I mean, yep. that might happen. You never know, right? right. You, sometimes that stuff happens. People change and um, we can't control everything. But at the same time, if you keep that communication open and talk to them about it and continue to talk through it as they get yep. older, like you said, you can maybe avoid some of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that. you know, I've always tried to be as honest with them as possible, you know, age appropriate honesty. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there were days where I was just having a hard day and they would see me cry. And I would say, you know, at first I was definitely crying in the shower at night after they were asleep because I'm like, I don't want, I don't want them to see me cry. I don't want them. Yeah. And then I thought to myself, so what, what am I saying here? Something sad happened and I can't be sad about it. Like yeah. what kind of a message is that? So, right. you know, I would, you know, I wasn't in on the floor bawling my eyes out, but <laughs> if I was, you know, sad and they would yeah. say, are you crying? And I would say, yes, you know, I, I feel sad right now. And so I'm crying, but yeah. I'll be okay. And it's yeah. okay to cry and, and I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm like a huge advocate for vulnerability and showing our children even, I mean, it's hard. It's so hard because again, we go back to the topic we talked to a little bit ago about like showing our weaknesses makes us weak, right? right. But it's really just makes us human. Um, and I mean, we shouldn't be portraying to our children that we're perfect, right? Because then exactly. they're going to try to grow up and be perfect, perfect people pleasers. And I definitely right. don't want that. So as hard as it is to sit in that, those vulnerable, uncomfortable moments, it's important for our kids to see that, you yeah. know, we don't have it all together all the time. Right. Um, right. Yeah. My that. new saying recently has been, I know my limits. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. I went somewhere the other day and I brought cookies, like beautifully decorated cookies. And someone said, oh my gosh, did you make these? And I was like, um, Absolutely not. I did not make these. I hired someone who's a good cookie maker to make them. And I didn't even put them on that track. I said, I know my limits. That yeah. is not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And now I am not even going to pretend to try to do something like that. Oh, that's hilarious. I can't even make Yeah, I mean, I think focusing on our strengths is a better way. Like just, yeah. I'm going to focus on what I'm good at. I'm going to yeah. keep working on that, working on myself. And yeah. Totally. So where do you see yourself, Victoria? So you're on a job hunt. You're figuring life out. Like where do you see yourself five to 10 years from now? Yeah. So, um, and I know we talked about this a while ago, my last kind of career stint was like the peak of where I ever imagined my career. So this is kind of a very interesting, um, time for me, you know, um, because when the girls were so little, I was single, I was working so hard. I did not spend a ton of time with my kids, like in that, sitting on the floor coloring space. Yeah. I did a ton of stuff with them. They were always with me. You know, if I was at brunch with my girlfriends, they were there. If I had to go to an event for work, they came along um, and all of that. So we spent, spent, spent a ton of time together, but not in that like play place. So I'm doing a lot of that this summer, like playing 
with the little one, you know, I'm like the best magnetile lady this side <laughs> of Mississippi. Um, and then even with the older ones, just like, let's go out to lunch. Let's, you know, yeah. go to the Goodwill and find the best sweatshirt and, you know, yeah. like whatever they're into. And um, so that's been really fun and I've really enjoyed it. Um, and you know what? It, I think my next job hopefully is going to be, you know, something that I'm passionate about that um, I tend to get passionate wherever I'm at. So mm. I just, you know, something that I can like seek, sink my teeth into and be passionate about, but also say, this is your job. This yeah. is your job and that's okay. And it's, you know, it's fun. It's, it's good to be care about it and give it your all, but it's just your job. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't want my obituary to be about my job. Right. Right. Boundaries, so. right? Boundaries. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I, I feel like you're in such a different headspace now going into this new career that you're going to find. It's going to be amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited for you. Yeah. And I'm Thank so you. happy for you that you found love again and you know, that you have this beautiful blended family. I yeah. love watching you guys on Instagram and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> The good and the bad. I'm not a just post the bad. I love I love the funny posts. I keep saying that, and you know what? Maybe I'll do it this year based on this podcast, that on the flip side of my Christmas card, yeah. I'm going to take like the worst outtake where I'm like threatening everyone or bribing <laughs> everyone because that those things happen every year. Behind the and scenes. A, and yes. a threat. Yeah, yes. every year. Yeah. Um, and so that you see like the real, the real on yeah. the other side. <laughs> I love seeing both. I mean, obviously we all love seeing beautiful pictures, but yeah. I mean, we got to know the reality is there yeah. also. None yeah. of us are perfect parents. None of us no. are perfect human beings. No. And, and, yeah. and that's the other thing, right? Single mom, new marriage, second marriage, whatever. Nothing's perfect. Right. Nothing's it's never going to be. I mean, no. you, you can't go after those unrealistic expectations. You just yeah. got to make the life that you want. Yeah. you know, and appreciate it. Like your daughter said, you know, yeah. be grateful for it. <laughs> There's like a, a saying that I have like the poster and it said, um, it says she was, she, she figured it all out once everything fell perfectly into place. Once she realized it wasn't perfect yeah. or something like that, you know, something like yeah. that. So it's like, you know, it's perfect enough for today or it's perfect enough for yeah. me or, you know, any of that. So, yeah. I think that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending thank this hour you. with me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your story. This is yes, some really good stuff. And I know I it's appreciate the opportunity. People. I hope that someone hears something that helps them and Absolutely. sees that little, little ray of sunshine. It's there. I promise. I promise. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I will talk you. to you soon. You have an okay. amazing day. Take care. You too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Empowerhood is brought to you by Flourish Everyday Coaching. Check them out in the link below. And again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. If you could take 60 seconds of your time and leave us an Apple review, this helps share the news about this podcast and help women all over the world. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the next episode.